0: Welcome to All The Things with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique. Yay!
1: Hey, Welcome everybody. <laughs> Welcome to a Saturday Night, All The Things show. I am Monique Dusan. I am Krista Bontrager. Yes, and this is the show where we talk about all things related to God, life, and the Bible, and culture from a historian. I always mess that up. <laughs> okay. If, be- you, if you okay. logged in, like, at least one time, then you know we have this conversation about why can't you just say this? I'm just going to read it. I have it. it
2: written right here. Yeah. This is the week. show
1: where we discuss all the things related to God, the Bible, and real life. Yes.
2: yes. Okay. Yes. And all culture. Right. And helping us on the show tonight, and every night, and nearly... Every day of the week, it seems lately. Yes. Bob Bontrager. Who got a haircut? Woo! Oh,
1: go ahead. Go <laughs> ahead. No more quarantine hair.
2: All right. I'm going to get this, my mop taken care of this week. I got people writing to me that says my gray starting to show.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to live my life with my braids, y'all. My multicolored. That's yes. right. All this, right.
2: This show is brought to you by the Center for Biblical Unity. Center for Biblical Unity. Monique's nonprofit endeavor. We're just waiting for the government to approve her tax exemption. Tax yes, exemption. but she yes, got all yes. her paperwork in place. You can support her right now on Patreon. Just search for Center for Biblical Unity. We want to thank those of you who already stepped up just this week to be monthly supporters. You know, y'all
1: are so awesome and fabulous and amazing. I am so thankful. Um, like every dollar that's given that's sewn into the ministry really helps to be able to, I don't even know where I should be looking, but thanks for that. See, see, gotta have your girl back. (laughs) Um, but every dollar Anything that's, that's given really sows into the ministry for unity and not from a, a position of critical race theory, but biblical unity. How do we really pursue unity amongst each other as Christians and how do we take that light out into the world? And so that's the conversation at the Center for Biblical Unity and that's the training. Yeah. And so I'm extremely grateful so for everyone who's sown in. A couple new
2: developments this week. We got the Patreon rolling uh, Monique started a blog this week. Well, there was uh, that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we added a page on the website just talking about resources because, you know, you've been getting flooded with yes. requests of so what else can we do? What else where else can we look?
1: What else to, can we read? And yeah. you know what? We're going to hit it off right at the beginning talking about resources. Now, the book isn't out yet, but Dr. Thaddeus J Williams has a and I'm I'm pretty sure that the J is is right. Um Dr. Thaddeus Williams has a book coming out and our guest tonight, Edwin Ramirez, and myself and um, Neil Shinvey, Sam Say, we all have contributed s- small pieces to this book. And um, what's the title of it? It is "Confronting Injustice: Twelve Questions Every Christian Should Ask About Critical Race Theory." And so it it talks about confronting injustice, but it also talks about why Christians should question critical race theory. And not adopted as a framework. What is the biblical way to confront injustice? This book is fire, y'all. It's really fire. So it's, uh, it's good.
2: It was slated to come out this fall, but because of the coronavirus situation, Corona. it might be a little bit delayed. But be watching for that book from Dr. Thaddeus Williams. So, And really, uh, big shout out to Thaddeus, who's really low-key helping us get the guests. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because... He was the one that introduced us to Sam Say, and we've had Sam on the show twice now. Also helped us make the connection with tonight's guest, Edwin Ramirez.
1: What's awesome um, is that the book will definitely get into how do we uphold truth, which I think is a question that people are asking. How do I uphold the truth or um, confront injustice without compromising?
2: The yeah. truth. Yeah, we're you know, going mm, yeah, to get into it tonight. fire, y'all. Yeah. So uh, this is a great opportunity to support the show. Uh, you can just hit that share button right now and uh, help propagate this on your feed. Boy, we got a lot of shares last week on the Uncultured show. We really yes. want to say thank, awesome. you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because so many new people found us this week. We literally went in one week. We had uh, we had thousands of engagements this yes. week. I mean, yes. we went from like five to ten a day, which is fairly manageable, to thousands. Y'all, we tired
1: for real. <laughs> like when we say we tired, like we are not just tired. Like oh man, I could use a, a a rest. No, I'm like tired. I'm like you need that after church nap. All that, the like, time, yeah, all the time, like on a Tuesday. Yeah, a Tuesday afternoon. I'm looking like, where am I after church nap at? <laughs> like, we tired, but it's so good. And it's good that people are asking the questions, it's good that people are engaging and yeah. wondering. Wait a minute, like I'm I'm for unity and I'm standing against injustice, but I don't want to do it this way.
2: Yeah, and so sharing the show is just a great way to help support the show, help us get the message. Of unity out there, help us to uh, get some clarity. Many of you are just writing to us. You're so grateful that we're in the space. Hey, we've been in this space for over a year. We've been sounding the alarm. This is what's mm-hmm. coming. And now here we are. And so that's why we're trying to do some quick fundraising for Monique to deploy her as a missionary into this space full time. So please consider supporting the benefit. The, Center for Biblical Unity on Patreon. Your gifts are just going to go directly to Monique so that she can help with fundraising or trying to fundraise quickly so that she can have the resources to be able to cut back at her job. Because y'all, thousands, we got thousands. You don't even know. (laughs) You don't even know what's happening. I did an interview,
1: right? Okay, so I had an interview yesterday with um, Foundation Worldview. Elizabeth Urbanowitz. It was awesome. So good. Another gonna, former guest. Yeah. Another former guest is going to come out later this week. Um, not later this week, because this is technically the end of the week. I told you I'm tired. Um, <laughs> it should come out early next week. I did an interview right before we logged on here. And I'm just, it. but it's so good. Like it's worth being tired. Yeah. Because the information is good. And, yeah. you know, someone, and I heard you say it um while we were sitting down, when we were prepping were, for this, that someone was saying that their family was was hurting. Yeah, um, yeah it's right there. Margaret it, says, our family is hurting so much, praying for some encouragement. And that's the goal. Like, the goal is to speak encouragement and to speak life into this space, even though it feels like death is surrounding us constantly, like yeah. the turmoil and all this. Um, yeah. So yes.
2: another thing that happened this week, we posted a new book club. Yes, book groups. So, sold out
1: in three days. Yes. Yeah, so the book group discussion is currently closed. Yeah. But
2: if you then want. Then we opened. Oh well. Okay. Well, I was gonna, <laughs> okay. What were you going to say? Cause I, I was, was going to th- say we had the book club. It sold out in three days. Then we we got a call from Mama Bear Apologetics about doing a parents conference. That sold out in three days. Yes, yeah, So. So. We're going to think about what else we can do maybe a couple of weeks from now. Y'all, we need sleep. We just need sleep. Yeah, I'm telling <laughs>
1: and, me, that after church nap is looking real good. But, I can't wait for tomorrow.
2: Um, we're thinking of other topics that need to be addressed and things that we haven't yet covered. Maybe we'll do like another half day uh, mini conference a couple of weeks from now. We're, we're still kind of deciding as a family what we can manage. So just be patient with us because this, this is a lot. But we want so, to let you know.
1: But along that line, if you are interested, because I know the the book group, there were quite a few people who marked that they were going or interested. I've had quite a few people inbox me and say, hey, can I get the link to the info meeting? Yes, we are still having the info meeting on Monday. Please either mark that you're interested. Mark If you mark that you're interested and or if you've marked that you're going, I will be sending out a Zoom link for the info meeting. So just because this group is closed, you can still find out what is the ethos behind the group. How is it run? Um, What are we diving into and talking about? How do you participate? All of those questions will be answered in that info meeting. So whether you're signed up and paid and registered full or you haven't, and you just have some questions. Come to the info meeting on Monday um, regarding the Mama Bear Apologetics. We, um, Hillary Ferreira from Mama Bear Apologetics. If you ha- if you don't know about Mama Bear Apologetics and you're interested in digging deeper into apologetics um, and you're a parent, check out Mama Bear Apologetics. It's a great resource. Hillary's a great resource. We were contacted by Hillary, and we just started brainstorming, like, how do we reach out to, to parents? How do we talk about, um, the question? Well, uh, the question that came to her was how do I not raise a racist child? I was like, wow, I think there's, there's a little bit more under that question under the surface of what's being asked, but let's really dig into that. And so we're doing a conference on Saturday, the 13th, which is next Saturday, three hour mini conference. And it was 20 bucks, um, 25 bucks, something like that. And we're just gonna dig in, answer some questions, talk about critical race theory and the impact that it could be having on your child, on our culture, and how do parents navigate that with their child?
2: Yeah, so we're so excited about that. We're excited maybe, about that. Maybe it'll be the first of other events. But if you're, interested, if you're interested,
1: this is where I'm getting to. If you're interested, make sure send us an email. Um, You can email you're interested us in having at, us yeah. for an
2: event. So let's well, finish from, that sentence. <laughs> yes.
1: If you're interested in having us for an event, or if you would be interested in attending a mini conference, email us at attlivestream at gmail.com. And we'll yeah. start compiling all of that information so that we can keep you abreast yeah. of what's coming next.
2: I think that, you know, if people, especially if you know churches that would be interested in hosting a conference, or if you're a pastor who's interested in a training for your staff or your staff and your volunteers on race issues, but from a really biblical point of view, call <coughs> call Monique at the Center for Biblical Unity. She's going to start doing trainings. Um, if you're um, you know an executive at a Christian ministry, campus ministry, and you want to know, like, okay, how do we have rac- racial conversations without shaming certain groups over other groups and all of this like how do we really do this in a biblical way call Monique and we can uh start that conversation with her okay let's get into it all right okay so
1: let's I thought we was into a minute I mean goodness, that was just nine minutes
2: of announcements that was the announcements yeah my goodness so all right let's uh why don't we why don't you introduce our guest here All right. So, Edwin
1: Ramirez. um, I first found out about Edwin through Dr. Thaddeus Williams. I'm telling you, he brings a lot of good things into my life. I appreciate him. And part of what we contributed, Edwin and I contributed to the book, is our journey in coming out of critical race theory. Um, he was a critical. He was into critical race theory, as was I, and has, you know, made the journey out of it. Yeah. And so he's a pastor. He's in New York. And I have heard many, many good things about him, yeah. um, both Amongst- from a former, former former guest, Jamal Bandy, and from Thaddeus. And so, yeah,
2: I first saw uh, Edwin on the 80 Robles youtube channel with jamal bandy that's actually how i found jamal was i saw mm. them doing an interview together and i was really intrigued i thought oh i'd really like to have this guy on the show sometime and and but i didn't know him and i am like how am i gonna get him to come on a show like hi edwin would you like to come on my random podcast but here he is so i'm super excited there it is
1: <laughs> just like that and yeah. that was, what's so funny is that the week before yeah you were like we need to get Edwin Ramirez on our show. Can you work on that? And I was like, yes, I know. <laughs> I know. Da, 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 da. And then last week, there he was. He popped up at the family meeting. He was at the chat. I was like, what you
2: doing in the family meeting? Okay, we see you. Yes. Yeah, so and now here he is. Here he is. So let's right get, up in the living room. Let's get him into the living room here. There he is. Hey, Edwin. I feel like hey, I'm
1: gonna going to need my fan
2: tonight, y'all. I feel like I'm going to need a fan. <laughs>
0: Oh, what's going on, ladies? Grace and peace.
1: <laughs>
2: Grace and peace to you, brother. Up? So tell what's us a little up? bit uh, about Virgil yourself. Walker. Is also, no. a- oh. stop it. Stop. Stop. Wait, hold on, hold no. on, hold
1: on. Uh. Hold Wait a minute. See y'all. I'll t- look, at, look at, look at, won't he do it? Won't he will? Won't he will? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he will. Coming through. Virgil. all right. All right.
0: Okay, faith ain't, faith ain't fair,
1: <laughs> man. <laughs> Man, I gotta start fanning already. (sighs) All right, all right, y'all. Okay, come on, Edwin. Come on, Virgil. Come on, our
0: show. (laughs) There you go. There goes your invite. Virgil,
2: we would love to to meet brother Virgil and have him on the show, too. I'm saying we could do like a Zoom
1: party, just have a Zoom family meeting. (laughs) This is what we need.
2: I'm
1: there. Okay, all right, Edwin. Please tell us about yourself. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, well, thank you for again, having me on here. Appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to tonight's uh, episode. So just briefly who I am, uh, a husband of one wife. We have four children, one with the Lord. um, And we are living in Western New York. We've been here now for three years and just really getting settled. I was in Florida for six years uh, finishing up my bachelor's degree in pastoral ministry. And then um, after graduating from there, I uh, pastored a church, did a church plant for several years in Florida. And then I um, we moved to Flow. We, we actually moved back to New York uh, around that time. We wanted to be closer to home, wanted to be around family. And so we've been here now for three years. And yeah, it's been great. It's been a journey and um, it's been an experience to say the least. So um, I am also a blogger uh, at life.com where we have um, just articles that we put out, much of which are on, um, it's actually under construction. So if you want to go there, don't judge me based on what you see quite yet, but it's under construction. Um but, yeah, just trying to put out my story, man, what, where God brought me from, who I am, um, you know, from my perspective. Uh, also have a podcast, The Proverbial Life uh, Podcast. I've been doing that for a little over a year and uh, had some great, great feedback, great interaction. Also been doing a lot of stuff on YouTube as well. And I also have a second podcast that I do with a brother named uh, Michael Griffin. It's called Leaving a Legacy Podcast. So both of those podcasts um, are different, but similar in a lot of ways. Uh, Leaving a Legacy Podcast, we talk about manhood, fatherhood. Mm. Uh, We talk about the importance of raising a godly family. Um, We talk about cultural issues from a biblical perspective. Uh, So so that's that. And then on uh, the proverbial life along the same lines, it's uh, pointing Christians to the, the authoritative word of God, uh, practical theology, uh, where we look to Christ encourage Christians to live wisely and leave a legacy behind for generations to follow. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell.
2: That's so good. We might have to have you back to talk about manhood issues because I've been wanting to do a show about that. And I keep telling Monique, we got to find the right, the right guests. So we need the Lord to bring the right guests to us. So we might have to, to have you back on that. I'm just wondering maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey um, into critical race theory and, and how that happened. And then I'd also like to know kind of what that made that paradigm appealing to you. Yeah.
0: yeah, Great question. So, so my journey is as confusing as critical race theory is. Um, so it, it, it really, the genesis of my, being introduced to the movement was my love for my people, right? Mm -hmm. Black and brown people. And I'm going to use that terminology because uh, it's something that people can, you know, hear and understand, but, and and I'll flesh that out some more here in a moment. So I think it was around 2015, 2016, if I'm not mistaken, we were, Um, just transitioning from Florida to New York around there. And so there was already a lot of unsettling in my own soul with the transition from pastoring to not pastoring. And so there was this gap where I was vulnerable um, and coupled with my upbringing, right? I was, I was raised in the inner city in in Long Island uh, and there was bloods that were being different gangs that were coming into my community. Uh, I went to a school that was maybe like 0.5% white, you know, every, there was black and Hispanic everywhere. So that was really my culture, right. Where I was, um, all about my people, right. I grew up in hip hop culture. Um, and so, so coming into, being a Christian and then being introduced to these ideas of valuing my people, right. Um, Around 2016, this is when the Colin Kaepernick situation took place and Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee. And then, you know, I saw this burst of video presentation on social media where my people are being massacred in the street, you know, Eric Gardner and Tamir Rice. And you just see, countless stories after stories after stories. And it was just like, what's going on? And I didn't know anything about critical race theory per se. I didn't, I didn't have the, the woke terminology yet. I didn't know anything about that. I just knew that racism was real and white people seemed to be the problem and people of authority. And so I must stand in solidarity with my people and I'm gonna speak against this, and hence is where and when I became a real strong advocate for social justice. And I was a social justice warrior, which maybe we'll get into. Uh, but that's the genesis of it. Really, it was out of a, it was a place of hurt. It was a place of really misinformation, right? Seeing seeing things on the media, being spurred in my spirit and angered by that, and then just pushing against the narrative of. At that time, how I understood whiteness and white America, really.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So much of what you're saying just rings true in my own story. I grew up in South L.A. and it wasn't like I needed I needed critical race theory in order to understand like what was being talked about when I finally learned about critical race theory, it was critical race theory was just the conversation. It was just Mm -hmm. the way we talked at home. We talked on the street, like, well, you know how they are or right. You know, whatever the concept was whiteness, we didn't have to necessarily say whiteness. We could just say, well, you know how white people are, you know how they is, you know what I mean? And and so I hear you. And when you say, you know, I love black and Brown people and, It was just, you know, this coming from this place of wanting to see justice and wanting to see um, kind of those who were in charge who I thought were doing all of this damage to my people, you know, wanting to see all of that rectified and and see things done more from a a just perspective.
2: So when you went to Biola then... You were just putting a name on something that you had grown up with your whole life. Yes. You're like, oh, this is a thing. This is what this is called. I was like, and they
1: Christian. So it must be right. Like, man, he -hmm. he talking about this and that lines up with this. And my mama always said that you got to watch out for that. And so, Mm. you know, and then he had the statistics with it. It just all made so much sense that I was like, this has to be true. Mm. Yes, I hear you.
0: And I think this will be helpful just because because really my aim now is I I want to I want to be those nails on the chalkboard for people that are in this movement, because that's what got me out of it. You know, and, and we'll kind of flesh that out more in a moment here. But just for some context, I grew up again in an all black Hispanic culture. Right. And it wasn't really even, it, so I'm Puerto Rican, but it wasn't a Puerto Rican culture. It was a black and it was a, um, there was a lot of Salvadorians and Mexicans at the time in, in in that area. So I didn't resonate with that culture, even though they were Latino. Uh, but I resonated completely with the black culture. My stepdad was black raised me since I was three. Um, all my friends were black, right. Uh, my black culture. I had black girlfriends. I went to black school. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just, I, I studied, I ended up studying black history. Like I, I thought I was black, you know what I'm saying? Like I, that was just, that was just my, my people. Right. And so again, the emotional tie for what I saw throughout my life. Right. Um, my interactions with the police officers as a result of my connection to my Black friends and all that, all those things put together, again, I was a prime suspect. I was primed for CRT in a lot of ways.
2: So when you were in that stream, um, I think I remember you even saying uh, when I watched you on A.D. Robles' interview that you were part of the, the Be the Bridge group. On on Facebook, it, do I remember that correctly?
0: Yes, yeah, yep, I was on there. So
2: a lot of people are now circulating that. In fact, there was a big write up about it yesterday in Christianity Today. I don't know if you saw oh, it. Oh, I, um, I didn't. I did I missed it. Uh, Bob's gonna magically pull that up here, but they they featured Latasha Morrison and the Be the Bridge group um, as a path for ra- racial reconciliation. I mean, major churches now are telling their people to go through the curriculum Mm -hmm. and join the group. Mm -hmm. So we've had a lot of people asking us this week about that. And and I'm wondering when you were part of that group, Edwin, did you think like, yeah, I'm doing a good thing here. I'm, I'm, I'm being a a voice for, for, for racial reconciliation, like, you know, help us, help me understand that. Give us some insight. Cause we've had a lot of people asking us about that group.
0: Yeah. So I wasn't officially a part of that group. So okay. just, just for clarification on my end. Um, so I wasn't a part of that group, but, um, I, again, I, when, when I became woke, um, I, I really got involved in a lot of different social media groups to educate myself. I read the books and again, like there, there's this, um, there's an endless amount of books you need to read in order to to be informed, right? And it never ends. And so I got to the place where I would read these books and I would be informed and I would, you know, be acquainted with groups that were in these forms and individuals who were in these forms. And, um, and so, so that's really my relationship with that. Um, I wasn't officially myself okay. in that movement.
2: But there was, there is... I think you're bringing up an important I point. I Yeah, because Monique was in that group. I mean, we could talk about that. But, you know, you do have to read what I'm going to start calling the new canon. There's a new Absolutely. canon in town mm-hmm. of books yeah. that, that you got to read if you're going to be a racially informed person you got to read White Fragility. You need to read the Critical Race Theory book. You need to read Color of Compromise. Color of Compromise. Christian by, by Jamar, Jamar Tisby. Tisby. Mm-hmm.
1: Um The one by Brian LaRitz. Uh, Woke uh, Church. Yes, Eric Mason. Yeah,
2: you, you got this. Is the new canon, and we're getting all kinds of people asking, you know, about these books. And I, I think it's interesting that in groups like Be the Bridge, you have to read these books before you could even start commenting in the group and you know, there's special rules that apply.
1: I mean, there are, and, and because I was a part of the group, I can say, you know, in the beginning, everyone must do the same work. So everybody needs to read these, these books. Everyone needs to, um, you know, have three month time of silence where they just, you know, sit and observe what's happening. But then it becomes to me, odd. Um, some would say toxic when, the voice of whites are just silenced or can be silenced at any time so being a person of color i can log into the group and have a post and say you know all whites you no know, there there's no white voice on this so you are not allowed to to speak to offer you know your comment or things like that and um i know that's not the point of this conversation no, I, but, but it it does it does lead to you know, how deep do you go into, you know, this belief in this cycle and how damaging does it become to to the body of Christ as, as a whole?
2: Yeah, I'm wondering, Edwin, when you were in that stream of critical race theory, you know, give us some thoughts that you had about different groups of people and and how that, you know, what were some of your mindsets that you had?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. It was it was unsettling for sure. Um, I remember always feeling I oh I always had a chip on my shoulder. I was just angry, I was upset, I was bitter, and I was bitter at the system. And what's crazy is because when right before I became a believer, I was actually woke before I became a believer and And at the time, what woke was for me it, it, it there was this like i was I was kind of born into this natural inclination okay, you can't really trust white people you know like you just you just watch them you know what I'm saying like but you can't really trust them so I, I, I kind of embedded I had that embedded in me and so um when I when I in, in my community there was this anger toward the cops and authorities and so on and so forth so then I became a Christian and now the, a lot of the similarities of being woke were very similar to when I was an unbeliever and I was really kind of just a social justice warrior then too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anger, resentment, bitterness toward white people, people of color, I'm mean, excuse me, not people of color, people, people who are in the majority, um, just a lot of frustration. And in fact, I remember um, always wanting to uh prove myself you know prove prove um that there needed to be more that white people needed to do and so i I'd, I'd get into these conversations and i'd throw out phrases like privilege um you know we are the oppressed uh those kind of catchphrases and just really try to to help I was an evangelist right try to help people see that they needed their eyes to be open to the reality of this systemic racism that we see or this oppression that is taking place I was very bitter uh let me just say one more thing because I think this is important uh and I do and I do mention this in Thaddeus's um book the portion that I have there 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 was a time when I remember discipling my wife on these matters right so my wife isn't a person of color, um, and so so I'm I'm educating my wife, right? And I'm saying I'm like, "Boo, you know, you got to recognize your privilege, right? And 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 so you you have to understand that this whiteness uh, is nothing you can do about it. It was given to you. Like this is the idea, right? That I'm talking to my wife about, and I'm saying that you know you need to treat people of color with a certain amount of respect and dignity because. Uh, you know, they're created in the Imago Dei. That's another thing, right? Which is true. They are, um, like everyone else is creating the Imago Dei, but I remember teaching her and telling her these things. Um, I remember my wife buying me this book that I wanted for so long. I just needed it. I couldn't wait for it to come in. It was a book by Robin D'Angelo. Uh, what does it mean to be white? Um, I remember, you know, reading it and sharing with my wife and I remember one time my wife And this isn't my wife's fault, right? Like, obviously, my wife there was some things that she was concerned about, but this is on me as her head. I, I taught her this, right? So I remember her being in the store and there was an older black lady who she approached and she said, boo, you know, I just want you to know, like today when we was at the store, um, I, I, I intentionally went up to this black lady and I spoke to her and, you know, and I shit. And I was like, man, that's awesome, boo. You know, you, you're lifting up the voices of our people. And I just, and then, and it was like, my eyes were blind, and when the Lord snatched me out of it, I just went back and said, "Boy, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. Forgive me." And then just kind of went on a rampage from there. To like, now, now I'm uh, on the other end of the spectrum where I'm like, you know, speaking out against it yeah. in my own way.
2: Well, I think it, it's good to hear, you know, because you were pretty deep into it. It wasn't just like this was a a little side issue for you. This was
0: no, this wasn't. was
2: a uh, you know kind of a major life life structure, and I think that it's, the. I guess, and, and and please forgive me, Edwin, if this seems like a, a very ignorant question, but um, I think that one thing I struggle with is when I see places like Be The Bridge as a group and, and other similar groups like that, and they say that they're trying to work toward racial reconciliation, and yet the people that are oftentimes involved, seem to have very, I don't want to seem derogatory, but kind of agitation uh, toward me. It doesn't feel very inviting. Like, I don't feel like that's a party I want to come to. But I know that they would say, well, I'm just fragile, and that's part of me being white. Um, But I think that it, it makes the, the terminology of racial reconciliation highly confusing to me, but right. it, I don't know, maybe you could just kind of give me, I'm wondering if you have any insight about this, because Monique yeah, and I have had I, this conversation I, many times. Uh, we yeah. had a couple of fights about it in the past too, but yeah, I just wondering, like, maybe you have some thoughts about that.
0: It's crazy. And you know what, it, it just highlights the depravity of man. It really does. Right. It, it you know, w- as sinners, we want power and authority, we want to be like God, right? We want to be God. That was the temptation, right? Um, hath God said, you know, we, we want to be like God, and so so the the and this is so ironic of this movement, right? Is because you know, black and brown people are the oppressed ones, okay? Who has been oppressing us? Um, white people or, um, systematic racism or these, these terms. Right. And so what, what's the way to make it right now? Now the way to make it right is we, we are an authority, right? You submit yourself and you listen and it's almost like a revo- a, a role reversal, right? So now, so now you're the one who has to really just, you become my slave, yeah, right? So this is almost like, um, and I've said this in the past, but like if you see and, and I know my, my, my woke friends will get upset by this analogy, but it, it's not very far. But if you see the black Hebrew Israelite in the militant the, the stance that they have, they are militant outwardly. Social justice warriors are militant inwardly. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the, the outward expression of a, of a black Hebrew Israelite is the inward reality of someone who is in the woke movement. And, and depending on the scale that they're in, right. Uh, on, on the degree that they're in. And so it's this, it's this angst toward white people because of history and it's this, you know, uh, a, a, a lack of trust. And it really just highlights the depravity of man. We're wicked. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and if we don't have, um, power and authority as sinners, then, then we have a problem with that, and ultimately, that problem is with God, right? And so we, so, so that's kind of my my take on it. It's just, it's really, it's heartbreaking to see where people are at, and um, and it's, and it's also as as a, a brother said recently. Now, this is an interfaith conversation in many respects, right? Yes. Like i i don't I don't even know if you're really a Christian because at at, at, what, at what point do you have to like words have meaning, right? So, so, so when you, and, and God communicates himself as the logos, he communicates, he revealed himself as the word, right? And he communicates through words. And we have 66 books of the Bible where we have words that mean something in context. But when you start to use words that, um that, that we can't agree on anymore. And now there's this like cultish definition of these words then, then I don't know if you're a Christian. Like we need to have a gospel conversation and like, not just theoretically, but like arrows to the heart, virtue of the spirit of God working because like the, the, the conclusions and the solutions that you're coming to are anti God.
1: It's it's that's a powerful word. I'm, I'm just going to sit here. I feel a fan coming. <laughs> it might be a little early in the conversation, <laughs> But that's real talk. It is real talk when when you redefine what's truth. When you def- redefine the nature and purpose of history. When you redefine Racism. sin. When you
2: redefine like all of these integral things. It is a different gospel. The redefinition of sin is a really important thing that you and I have talked a lot about in past videos. You know that uh, the that it almost seems like the setup is that the sin of racism only touches these people and not these people. Well, that, like, how do you arrive at that destination biblically? Like, I I don't, I can't get there. Um, I'm wondering, Edwin, what started to bring you out of this thinking, you know, because this is really, I've likened it in walking with Monique on her journey. I've likened it to a change in worldview. I mean, she was a Christian. She went to Biola, but she had a web of beliefs that was highly inconsistent with historic Christianity. Um, And I'm just wondering, you know, what it was that, that started to bring you out of it and rethink that web of beliefs for yourself.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm going to answer that question with this verse, right? Uh, Second Corinthians uh, Paul says for the weapons of our warfare, are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Right. And so this this concept of spiritual warfare. What is spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare is a battle for the mind. It's ideas, and ideas have consequences. So, so one of the so so my mind was in a fog. Right? It, it was literally in a fog. And I understood justification, I understood faith, I understood, you know, the doctrine of you know the depravity of man and so on and so forth. I understood those things and 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 still I got wrapped in this fog and it was, and the reason why was it was this connection to emotional, uh, the, 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 you tie in, you tie in this, um, objective truth, right. Which is, which is found in God's word. And you, 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 then you come to the reality of this subjective truth, right subjective truth. And, and so now the subjective is elevated above the objective instead of the objective testing the subjective. Mm-hmm. Now the subjective test the objective. That's so right. everything that I thought was true now has to go through this woke lens, right? And go, Oh, wow. I didn't see that. I missed it. And now I start to exegete the text through a new lens, right? And so, so this, this was all. This was. I, I, I mentioned that all to say that this is all really just attack. This is an attack on the mind. The, this is an attack on. Um, this is a spiritual war, right? Yeah. And I think that's one thing we really need to see this as, because online and in relationship with my friends who are still in this movement, I want to shake them, mm-hmm. and I want to just say, wake up. But you can't do that in a spiritual world. You can do that, but on, only tr- tr- the truth, right? But the Holy Spirit is the one that has to do that. And so, for me, how God really brought me to that point was, um, there were agitators. There were people that were just bugging the heck out of me, that I could not shake them, and 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 so some of these people would, you know, hit me up on private messenger and go, yo. Like, what you talking about, bro? Like, what, how, how, how could you say that? Like, that's not true. Or like they'll, they'll come in and what I would do is I'll read some of these woke books. Right. Um, and I would, I would just copy and paste quotes that I needed all my, my white people to read. Right. All my people of privilege. Like I just needed all of y'all to read this friends, family, all y'all going to get it. And so that's what I did. I just put it out there and I just get people like coming at me and, and I saw it as all right. They, 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 this is too much. They're fragile. They can't handle this. But these agitators would 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 hit, come to me either on my main post, you know, or they would they would have they would want to have conversations with me privately. And uh, I was afraid of that in many ways because I didn't have real argumentation. I had this emotion, right? And so they can they can deny the truth statement but they couldn't deny my experience and because of that there was no point in arguing with them because you just don't see it my way um so so these agitators, this is really what brought me, right? It, it, there were people who I had back and forth interaction with behind the scenes. They were just a nuisance. They would say, that's not what that text means. Brother, that's not what this means. I love you, but that's not what this means. Um, and then, uh, And then ultimately, one of the things that happened, coupled with all these things, I remember it was a Sunday. I was ironing all my clothes for the week in preparation for the upcoming week. And so I would usually um i would listen to um a, a lot of cone during that time right i listened to a lot of cone james to James Cohn. we should probably james say cone. who we're talking yeah. about james cone james cone, cone excuse me yeah, yep. i listened to a lot liberation of
2: liberation theology um advocate so yep,
0: yeah yep thank you so i listened to a lot of james cone at this time ironing my clothes and i said i said huh there's, there's this guy ad robles who, who, who's talking about, you know, race. And so I'm into that topic, you know, let's, let's listen to it. And I started listening to AD stuff and I was just like, Ooh, Oh, like he's got, he's got reason behind, you know, it, this isn't just emotion. Like there's re- like, he's defining racism. Okay. He he's defining his terms. And it, it just really hit me like, like, wow, this is different. This is different than the emotionalism that I was used to. Uh, and so that was really it, man. I, I, and then I reached out to some friends. Um, I had some back conversations with people. And um, yeah, and that was really it, honestly. That Those people, the agitators in the background, and then listening to some AD stuff. And then I eventually came across just thinking and some of their, their stuff. Um, and then, yeah, the Lord awakened me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's it. Yes. I think what's... We're getting a ton of questions. Yes. And I'm like, I mean, we need I to go to the comments. Yeah. <laughs> we've never had this many comments on a show before. We kind of don't know what to do. But I think that one thing that we keep seeing people keep messaging us, DMing us is what do I say to my friends who are getting caught up in mm-hmm. this movement? And I think the first thing I want to tell everybody is pray. Yes, Like, do not assume you have to say anything. Only go at the Holy Spirit's pace. If the Holy Spirit tells you to say something, then get in a conversation with the Holy Spirit about what to say and how to approach the person, because the Holy Spirit knows everything about that person. And so I know that there's tons of social pressure right now for everyone to be speaking up about everything, (laughs) but maybe what you have to do is DM that person and say, hey, you know, we haven't gotten caught up in a long time you wanna have a call, you wanna to go to coffee, like re-reestablishing the friendship. And then kind of as a next move is doing what Greg Kokel calls like putting a pebble in their shoe, you know, that you're in the conversation, you're listening to their story, and then you're asking maybe a strategic question, you know, the way that A D was on his videos for you, Edwin, is yeah. is you know, they're asking a question or they you know, you bring up something. That's what I did with Monique. We would be out on our walks all the time. And I would just say, well.
1: and She would walk on my last good nerve. I had one good nerve left. And here we are on the walk. And she walking on it.
2: I'd be like, well, how are you defining justice? Where did you get that definition? What scripture passages are you using? So I think it's kind of a three-step process. See,
1: but see, here, here's the thing, too, though. I didn't get it's, my three steps out. Well, I I, I got to tell us. I got to say all something right. before I forget. Is that. CRT people have their scriptures. too. They do, yes. You know, but it's important that we are we understand how the early church talked about these scriptures. How has the the church for the last two thousand years thought about this? And this is something that I learned from you. Is I can't just pull out Micah six eight and think, okay, well, I got to do my justice, <laughs> yes. and that's the answer. You know, and this is the answer everybody should be yeah. should be believing in. Yeah. You know, when we have these conversations, make sure that that. We also have studied the word and, because people who are
2: in CRT can, can come out with it too. Yeah. And that's going to be kind of my, my three steps is first pray, ask the Holy spirit. Second is equip yourself. Know, know their arguments, know the scripture, kind of familiarize yourself with some of the major features. And then when you talk to the person, you kind of got to know what questions to ask. If you've done step two, Right then you know kind of what to do in step three of what types of questions to ask and kind of knowing what answers are going to come forward. Yeah, And if you don't know an answer, it's just like in any other apologetics thing, you just say, that's an interesting point. Let me think about that. Mm-hmm. And then you go back and you research it some more, yeah. but you don't burn down the bridge of the relationship all in one conversation. Um, hopefully you, you can keep walking with one another and keep putting that pebble in their shoe. And I think if I can
1: add to your three-step process, it's now a four-step process, ladies and gentlemen. Step four is be gracious. Yes. Listen, well, five steps. Be gracious and then listen a lot. James tells us that we should be slow to speak. Listen, because in a lot of it, you'll hear the pain that people are really talking about, and why they've um, grabbed on to this theory and into this framework. And you can be, you can address those things. Um, but we have to be gracious with one another. This did not occur for me; like it didn't happen for me overnight. This has been a year and a half, two years of conversation, of walking out of Krista being diligent and forgiving and me forgiving because don't think she's innocent, y'all, just because I'm the one who walked out of critical race theory. There was some hard conversations that had to come both ways. Oh, yeah, for sure. And there was a lot of growing that had to happen on her end as well. It's like just because you don't subscribe to CRT doesn't mean that you know everything about everything. Yeah. You know, so we on both ends, we have to be gracious
2: and we have
1: to listen.
2: Our friend Jennifer says that some uh, a black gentleman came to her door today selling magazines. And he told her all about his past on the projects, the living in the projects, the drugs, etc. I don't know, Bob, if you can get it up there. All right. Um, And so she ended up talking to him for an hour at the door. And he sa- she says he kept referring to my white privilege and his terrible past. And I just shared Jesus with him and I gave him a Bible. Way to go, Jennifer. Yes. That's how you do it. Yes. That is how you do
1: it. That's um, great. what I saw a question and it was by Engage Truth. Um, and i'm going i i saw it earlier and i wanted to come back to it now i can't find it but the question was something to the effect of just because you don't subscribe to crt do you now reject um systemic injustice or That's systemic another question racism
2: get. so let's talk about that
1: yes do you, do you want to hit that first and then i can follow up on what Like just because you reject CRT, does that mean that um, you don't believe in the idea of systemic racism or systemic injustice?
0: Yeah. So just to be completely honest, in in many respects, I'm working through that um, because I think we can all agree that racism exists. Right. It's uh, a a direct result of the fall of man. Um, and so, so it, it exists, it's real, and it isn't It isn't only one way, right? It isn't just white people. Um, I think how that is expressed is um, nuanced in different cultures. Um, I'm Puerto Rican, right? There, there's a lot of prejudices that Puerto Ricans, my culture, has toward Dominicans. It's just embedded in us since the fall of Adam. Uh, don't know why, but there's different reasons, right? And so there's, there's all that. Um, so when it comes to when it comes to systemic racism and I, usually what I do is because what, what people who are in CRT do is, and depending on what, where they're at on the scale, most CRTs, um, at least your, your folk kind of CRTs, right? Your people that are just like you know, run running the mill, maybe they don't know the terms or the, you know, all that, what they'll do is they'll throw out these words, they'll throw out these phrases. So they'll say, man, you look at, look at the systemic racism all over the place. And so one of the things that I've done is I, I want to ask them, okay, what do you mean by that? Like, what is systemic? Like, give me some examples. What's the systemic racism? Well, and, I used and to you, do that
2: to Monique. That didn't turn out very well. That was part no, of the last doesn't. nerve.
0: Yeah, it does. It really <laughs> doesn't because every, so systemic racism. And again, like, systemic racism, for example, if you ask 10 different people, they have their own definitions of what it is right there's 10 different definitions it's like okay well what what do you want me to follow like what do you want if you you've you've got this this mission you've got this movement but there is no um there is no clear definition or distinctives about it and that's and that's really a part of it right is postmodernism? there's this uncertainty there's this ambiguity about the movement um and it's kind of you know we we define it as we go along kind of thing. So when it comes to systemic racism, I'm still working through that. Um, I'm I'm more apt to say that there isn't systemic racism than I am to say that there is. Uh, and again, if you want to really kind of pigeon me down and say, okay, what is it? What is it? I need to have specifics, right? um you know are we talking prison to pipeline uh you know from uh, school to prison pipeline uh are we talking about drug war like what are we talking about and then let's walk through that together but just to throw that term out there i can't rock with it because um you know that it, it it's like putty in the hand it gets abused and it gets kind of shaped into what this person wants it to do and again it's it the, the fuel all this fuels under uh, emotionalism Right. So so if you don't accept these terms on a surface level, then there's this emotionalism. And that's not how this like, that's not how life works. Like God didn't order it just to be primarily emotionalism without there being definitions and terms and ideas that have like substance, a, a foundation in them so that we can walk in obedience to the truth.
2: Ooh, oh, that sounds like some.
1: That, Some that's, truth. Cause that
2: is. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, that was kind of my approach with Monique when she would bring up systemic racism. I would say, Well, can you give me an, an example? And then we would talk about an example and then I'd wanna step it through like each step. And I was trying to look at it and inspect it and say, Well, I don't know, there there could be another possibility here and it it uh it, it did, didn't go well. It didn't always go very well. <laughs> But over time uh, we made progress and I think she's very much, it sounds like you guys are in similar places right now of like, I'm still working this through. I'm still yeah. kind of figuring this out, yeah. but you know, I think maybe there's less systemic racism than I thought. Maybe I that think would that's be where it.
1: I'm at is that there might be less than what I thought I do. I harp on the prison system a lot and, and like what the prison system produces And I see that more as something of a systemic injustice. But the more I learn, the more I read, the more I feel like I pray and God deals with my heart. Then I'm like, oh, well, this could be an influence or that could be an influence or like there's so much more that I don't know. And so, yes, I do. I tend to lean toward the idea that, yes, systemic injustice is something that is real. But I can't, even though I said it like right now before all y'all, um, I don't know that I would get deep into a conversation about that anymore because so much of what I used to think I know has changed based on scripture
2: and deeper study and, and, yeah, and, and other, deeper study and other and, statistics and yeah.
1: you know, all of this.
2: And you, you're more, con- you're more open to the idea now or convinced maybe even that s- there could be systems in place that actually oppress white people. And, and oh no! All, no, no all of course, all, of course, it's not course. just a it's
1: not just a, a, a black brown thing. Like I brought up the prison system because I think that that is something that in my studies have an unfairly impacted minorities, um, especially black and brown people. But I can list other things that I think unfairly impact white people, especially today, like June six, you know, twenty twenty. I can say, oh, you know what? This like I have a friend. Um, who and I put this I put this out on on Facebook. I have a friend who was fired from his job, and he this, has week, a, this week. He has a a pretty prominent job a public in yeah, public d- job, and um, but it was be- behind this all lives matter, Black Lives Matter situation. Now I feel like that is going to turn into something systemic. Like it's going to unfairly impact people who aren't of color based on their thought process, their belief. And so even though it may not be, be proving itself to be a system yet, I think if we aren't curtailing and speaking into the issues that impact whites, these things will turn into systemic issues. Does that make sense? Or no? No.
0: Yeah. 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 For sure. I think, yeah. And and again, I think the old, you know, I think people get tired of hearing this on the other side of the spectrum, the woke side, but we, we, we have a a weak understanding of the gospel and it is so inept that we think that the gospel is enough for the soul. Right. But it doesn't, it, it doesn't affect every area of our lives. And it, and it does. And, and the, woke, the woke think that they really get that and we don't. But in reality, they don't get that. Because uh, in, in their worldview, they think that, um, you know, that, that th- 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 so, so for them, they want social justice, right? They want um, uh, equality. They want all these things, right? But, but their solutions are actually divorced from the word of God. Right, so so they they want they want they want to use the word of God to to say that the, you know justice let justice you know rain down or fall down or whatever they will go to all these texts they use the word justice ripping it away from its context to the original reader right and then they'll they'll slide in ungodly satanic solutions. Uh, that that are unjust Mm -hmm. right and so so in in that in that worldview they're creating a system that is anti-god in in many ways and and maybe they don't like to hear that that's just the reality when you when you veer away from the word of god as it being sufficient for all of life in every area, right? If you veer away from the word of God, you're only going to create your own system and it's always going to be for the benefit of the person who's creating it. That's just the way, that's the way we are by nature. We're, we're sinners. And so if if we can't have it God's way, then we'll have it our way. And that's exactly what they want to do. They want to, they want to buck against, the 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 you know white america but they want to create their own utopian america right or their own utopia that is divorced from the word of god but they'll hold the bible in their hands and it's just a it's a it's a big mess
2: yeah i think that's a really good point because what i see i've been doing um uh my podcast right now is on justice and i did part one of the teaching last week and it was a real long teaching and i'm trying to get something pulled together for this week uh, to follow that up. And I think that one of the big things I see in a lot of the social justice circles is that they don't take the time to really define justice biblically. They, they kind of have this thin, thin veneer of scriptural connection where the word justice is used. And then all of a sudden we're 45 steps away from that into how culture defines justice and injustice and solutions to that to the injustice and it's like whoa wait a minute we haven't really looked deeply at scripture and what scripture has to say about what god defines as just and unjust we can't even get into a conversation about what is just or unjust if we don't have god in the picture because yep. justice flows out of his character and so it 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 is a mess because we're using all these un godly, worldly ideas for what we're pointing to, like a great example right now is uh, murder is wrong because it violates God's standard of justice. Stealing is wrong because that also violates God's standard of justice. But in our culture right now, there's this whole narrative, well, maybe looting and stealing and vandalizing is okay if people are angry. Well, that's just, well, wait a minute. We are far from scripture right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that for me feels deeply problematic because this is where, well, we kind of started off with a thin veneer of scripture, but now we're over here and we're, we're talking about actions and behaviors that are clearly a violation of God's justice, but we're trying to justify it. Uh, in in human terminology, in ter- human language, so it's it's very uh, it's a mess. <laughs> so yeah,
0: and that, and that's the thing. Satan Satan wants to bring confusion, right? If he if he can't snatch our salvation, then he'll um, you know he, he'll 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 make he'll make our sanctification rocky. And 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 that's the thing with a lot of these people. You know, there's a there's a bunch of people, right? Who who are in this movement that are born from above and they they have uh, they've been they they're being deceived right I was I was a Christian when I was in this movement I was. Um, And God was kind by spirit to sanctify me and bring, and bring people to, 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 to bring the word and to do all those things. Um, But Satan, Satan wants to pull a wool over people's eyes. And he's, he's right. The the, the scripture says the God of this age, he wants to blind men. He wants to keep them in the dark. He wants to, you know, hath God said, and that's the whole thing too, right? They, they, they even, the woke movement wants to reject all semblances of whiteness. So, even sound theology oftentimes is associated with whiteness yes. and it's something that needs to be re- like we need to rethink this.
1: Yes. Yes. Let's- we need to exchange the truth for a lie.
2: Yes. And,
1: and yes. I can't
2: tell you how many times if I had a dollar for every time I had a conversation with Monique about This ain't about our conversations. Why <laughs> you why you Me believing in a white gospel and a white Jesus, I just kept saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just over here trying to believe in what Christians have believed in for 2,000 years. And why do you keep saying it's white? And then I forget what the conference was last year. Was it the Joy and Justice Conference? Mm -hmm. Where they, they, if you followed their Twitter feed, it was like tweets that were literally saying we needed to. Redefine the doctrine of inerrancy and other core doctrines wow. because they were white, and mm. I'm like, this is going down a very scary path um, to jettison the faith. What really helped bring Monique around and other people could maybe use this strategy some was I started interact, getting her to interact a little bit with um, people that are are Egyptian. And are part of the Coptic tradition, and it it's a very ancient tradition, and they're not, they're not white. <laughs> they're North African. And so when we started talking to them about kind of a more ancient church perspective, that opened her heart up that I wasn't just giving—that Wayne Grudem wasn't just giving her white theology, that Wayne Grudem was just a guy speaking in English— giving kind of an outline of the historic Christian faith, but that was a, a a long hill to climb with us. So
0: Yeah, and, and this is what's so interesting, right? Because again, I I really liken them to um, Black Hebrew Israelites in a lot of ways, or the Hebrew Israelites, because the Hebrew Israelites will come against white people. They'll be they'll call them Edomites, you know, and and and, and they're the devil and all and all that, right? But a lot of their books are written by white people, <laughs> so that's that. Um, but but then with the, with the with the woke CRT crowd, right? You have you have to have you have to have a an ethnic library, right? So it can't just be white. But one of the main books that they require you to read is "Divided by Faith" by Emerson, who's a white guy. So it's like we, you know it's a contradiction okay so so white people are the problem white supremacy all this and this and that but we'll, we'll you know you have people like eric mason who who has a white fragility on his twitter page I it know, says
2: robin d'angelo right? is is white
0: yeah right white you know you, you know you need to read this book you got emerson's book on divided by faith you got to read this book you know it's uh, the new canon it's the new canon so yeah. it's it's who they choose what white what who what allies they choose right those are the ones that are safe because they say they are.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, so when uh, we could sit here all night, we have so many questions. I don't yes. even know what to go to. Like, okay, I want, but I want to read.
1: <laughs> there's a couple on here that, right. that I've been waiting for. Okay, um, Engaged truth says since, since social justice isn't the gospel and it's based on CRT, how do we, Wait, how are we to think about biblical justice and caring for the poor and the marginalized and not use CRT as a framework? Who wants
2: to go first? Well, I think it's an important question. I think it's interesting that helping the poor has become so um, married to social justice and CRT. Uh, Christians have been helping the poor. It used to be called a thing called Christian Charity. I mean, we've been doing that since the beginning. It was the Christians who rescued children out of the dump in Ephesus, uh, because they they would just people. It was a culture that was a death culture, similar to ours, and they would they would throw their children away in the dump. And it was the Christians who went out there and rescued them. They didn't have a framework that told them like, "Hey, let's let's engage in social justice." It was like. This just, we know that God values life. We're going to go rescue these children and adopt them. I I think that we don't need that paradigm to tell us how to love our neighbor, but everything has become so politicized now that I think that loving your neighbor has become like the ultimate um, silly putty that nearly everything must be, you know, it can can become loving your neighbor. And And I keep trying to make this point that, Love is law. The only way we know how God wants us to love people is by looking in the law. Love can't just be, well, this is what seems right to me. Mm -hmm. It can't be majority rule. It can't be my emotions. I have to have my love informed and shaped by something. Mm -hmm. I have to have my mind renewed according to God's commands. But I also don't need to, like, trumpet it on social media and do all the virtue signaling and, and all of this I don't need social justice as a construct to tell me what I didn't need social justice to, to, to tell Monique, like, Hey, come be a part of our family. We will help you. We will take care of you while you're recovering from mission field induced PTSD. We won't like, I didn't have a construct that did that. And when she first came, she says, I, you know, I don't really understand you. You're a Republican. Aren't all Republicans racist. I said, I wasn't aware of this. (laughs) but but that was the come from. And I'm like, I don't even know what we're talking about right now, but I didn't need a, I didn't need a framework to know that. That's what
1: I was going to say too, um, is that the way that we work out, like giving to the poor or helping the orphan and the widow, um, all of these things are dictated first by scripture. Like these, this is found In the Bible, it's found biblically in scripture. God's word gives us instruction for how to love our neighbor. We don't need to go to culture. And again, like I'll say this again, I'm sure I've said it every show for the last couple of shows, is that critical race theory in the church is really the church going into culture and bringing something up and bringing that into the church, but we already have what we need to be able to go and make an impact into culture, to go into culture and say, "This is how you should. This is the instructions. This is how you do it." We have the instruction book, yeah. and yet we act like we don't. Like, well, how how do you do social justice? How do you do you know social programs if you don't have CRT? Well, we just read the book. We just we we, we do what it says. You know, and again, I mean, this might be, you know, letting my own um, political stuff out. And this isn't for that reason. But, you know, is it like our welfare programs part of loving your neighbor? Mm. I don't know. Like, let's have more conversation about that. Because the law also gives us rules for helping the poor, for helping those who are needy, who need food. And it involves some work, too, as long as they are able bodied. So what does that look like? We have these answers, but yet we're looking to critical theory, critical race theory, the world culture to tell us how to do it.
2: Yeah.
0: Everyone, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. And I mean, it's not just black and brown people that are poor, right? Right. Exactly. Like, why, why is it like, why is it that we think or this, this movement and, and now like this you know, the, the white guilt is that, that people are having now is like, we really got to help them out. It's like, no, we stay over there. Like you, you're going to mess me up even more. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not a charity. Right. Um, and so, so like, if you want to, if you want to out of love for God, you know, bless me or instruct me or, incur, you know, all those things, like that's cool, but you know, we're not a charity case. And I think that's something that we, we need to remind people of you know whether it be you know black and brown people as 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 we do community with them let them know like bro we we're not looking for white people to give us anything like we 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 have a responsibility before the lord to be good stewards with what we have right god gives talents to some people he gives a certain amount to other people regardless of race or regardless of ethnicity we are to be good stewards before the lord and if we are god blesses that and so if and if we're not, that has implications generational, generational, generational. And and that and when I say that, that doesn't mean, well, you know, look, look at all those black people. It's like, no, people like look at look at the, the Hispanic culture, look at the, 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 the Asian culture. Like you've got different cultures struggling in different areas and, and there's other problems that we can really address. Um, you know, with people in our sphere of influence, instead of taking this collective dumping, this these terminologies with Black people, right, or Hispanics. And one more thing, Jesus says the poor will be with you always, always. right? So, like, so, 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 are we trying to get everybody on the same playing field, like, because that's unjust?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: One, one more comment that um, I'm gonna hit on. YouTube, before we go over to Facebook, is Juwad. Hey, Juwad. Um, Monique. And this is right to me. I think rejecting CRT as a whole package is not the answer. There are useful components in this theory. It is beneficial to admit that the colored people are still encountering disadvantages. Um,
2: okay, so... Let's, I, let's talk about this, because yeah. one of the questions we had. I had for Edwin is, you know, like, can... Can we redeem parts it's, of critical race theory mm-hmm. and social justice?
1: Yes. I I was going to say that um, one of the things one of our our former guests, Neil Shimvi, has said is that, you know, putting CRT forward for people is kind of like giving um, giving a kid a plate full of rat poison, but then putting like one Skittle on the plate and being like, pick out the candy. What's the likelihood that the kid is going to really pick out the candy? There's so much damaging within the CRT framework, especially within the church, that I wouldn't trust this framework to not injure someone. Number one, I think it, I think there's enough of it there that goes against historic Christianity that I wouldn't want it in the church. Um and the the idea that it let's see it is beneficial to admit that color people are still encountering disadvantages. I think it. I think that's true. We are. like People of color are still encountering disadvantages. And my friend who is white also was just fired for thinking for himself. That is a disadvantage. There was, um, I want to say, a white person in a riot and someone walked up to him and sh- this white man, they shot him in his head because he was, basically because he was white. Like, disadvantages are part of the the result of the wickedness of mankind. Our hearts are wicked. Our hearts are evil. And we are going to experience disadvantage. The disadvantages may look different, but we are always going to experience either partiality, pride, um, murder, like wickedness, envy. There's going to be something there at all times. And does that mean that we... Um, don't look at it? No, it doesn't mean that we don't look at it, but we don't necessarily say, I need to adopt this erroneous framework to be able to address these disadvantages and that disadvantages only impact one group. That is not true. Disadvantages impact humanity because humanity, our hearts are wicked from the beginning. So that's my thought on that. Edwin?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, God, God uh, through Moses, delivers the people out of egypt and the people are upset with moses because they're in this jam now and they don't have the spices and the foods that they had in egypt and and they were bitter toward moses right so forsake egypt like this there, there was nothing there like you know they, they were in slavery and that's what crt is it's 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 slavery forsake it right you have the word of god you have the God of the Scriptures that walks with His people, and He defines what true justice is. He defines what loving your neighbor is. He defines, you know, uh, you know, all these issues. So, so go to God. You don't need critical race theory. You really don't.
2: Well, and I think that critical race theory, as a tool or as a framework, it causes you to see some injustices, but it acts as a lens that then blinds you to other, other injustices.
1: injustices. And it allows you to, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, all right. It allows you to participate in injustice as a means of being, being just. just.
2: It's all upside down. Yeah. Yep. Well, Edwin, you have been so gracious with your time. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for the last hour. We could go on and on. I've never seen this many comments. We want to I know. I'm thank like, you. Facebook. Is there anything specifically uh, for Edwin that we want to go on Facebook? We, we Let's we're blown see. away people just are wanting to know the information and we want to refer people while monique's looking uh, to your podcast the proverbial life uh go check out edwin's uh website and his podcast follow him on, follow him on twitter follow him on twitter
1: fan into flame e yes yes so all right is there anything
2: on facebook that we haven't covered yet
1: no i think we're good More okay comments and questions yeah
2: levon clark that's a very good name i've never seen my it's my mother's name i've never seen anybody who spells it the same way as my mother uh she says uh that there's some ladies at our church want to do a be the bridge book study um i i might i might organize a a different study
1: yeah just say no
2: No, just say no just say no yeah Mm -hmm. probably not uh, but
1: I mean, and but that that also brings up a good point. Like, well, what would be the other option? Unfortunately, right now, I, there the, the I options
2: are coming, but it's yeah. there's not a lot. Because right Lucretia
1: Carter Berry, I wouldn't advise either. She does um, a study called "What Lies Between Us." She has a, a book called that, and I called that a book called "What Lies Between Us." It's um, like a workbook study. It,
0: yeah, w- one of the resources that I give people is the uh, the Social Justice Conference. With um, Vodi Bakum, James White, uh, those brothers, uh, um, brothers from um, Grace to You, they they did a conference that I think is really helpful. You know, Um, if somebody's interested in more information on it, they don't know what it is. It's just the one place where they can go and listen to different sermons and messages and Q and A's on different topics on whiteness. You know, where they give a biblical perspective on that matter. Yeah,
2: Vodi Bakum. Has done a few really yes. solid messages that are on YouTube. Um, if you go to m- our playlist on race issues on YouTube, uh, I've got Votie's, some of vodi's sermons there that are just really helpful, um, and you can get connected with those. So it's just I try to in that YouTube playlist. It's all a lot of our stuff that Monique and I have generated, but it's also other good voices to to be interacting with and. Um, you know, we're looking forward to, uh, Thaddeus Williams book, uh, coming out hopefully soon. And we'll keep everyone posted about yes. that. He's going to we'll, be on our
1: show, um, at, at the, the end, end of, of June,
2: the end of the month.
1: Yes. So yes,
2: uh, get connected with Edwin and we want to thank you brother. We'd love to have you on again. Talk, keep, keep the conversation going. Yes.
0: Thank you it's, so much. This was awesome. God bless.
2: God bless, God bless you. Bye. Take care.
0: Bye.
1: Um. Oh my gosh. So there was an, another comment like ah. I can't I, even. I
0: this know. Is, this um. It woman. says
1: engaged truth said if we concede that privilege exists with white people, does that mean that we must admit group guilt? Furthermore, isn't privilege relative? Yeah, it's on YouTube. I was just sorry. I I was reading a little too quick. Um. You know we have a whole thing out there. Um. About privilege, and I think I hit on it a couple weeks ago. Just that. We all experience some form of privilege. There's there's Christian privilege. Like there's there's child of God privilege. There's um, privilege there's, of
2: being born of two parents. There's and, privilege in
1: all kind of ways. So yeah. yes, privilege is, is relative. Some people have privilege in different ways. But um yeah. It, but
2: privilege is has become such a, a, an a evil work. evil demonized word. You know. I love what Edwin said about this. Seeing this as a spiritual war like I, I I'm so glad he brought that up because I've been wanting to say that on the show for a while that there's this there's a there's a sense in which you have to look at this as spiritual warfare mm-hmm. like this is a, when we had Elisa Childers on two weeks ago which I can barely remember because the world's lost its mind since then the her book is another gospel and I think there's so much similarity between Elise El, Elisa's work and our work because you know these people are coming from within the church. They're they're and there's some things that they say that are that are good and true, but it takes such deep discernment to to kind of separate out the good from all of this worldly thinking that that comes with it. And it, it's just it's really a a very hard project, but we're all in it together and we're trying to help you guys find some of these other voices that are going to, we're all just going to kind of stand together and try to steady the boat here a little bit in, in this cultural moment. Don't panic, be calm, educate yourself um, and, and, and try to, to work on what you will do. Look at the 8 to 15 people in your life that is in your sphere of influence. How can you um, be a stand for kindness and gentleness and an alternative voice, as Edwin was talking about earlier, of like just those people who kept asking him questions um, that eventually led him out of this idea? Okay.
1: (sighs) Um. This is a lot. This is
2: this but this is good.
1: Yeah. Um let's see there was a question about the conference. If you're referring to the conference that um that Edwin was talking yeah. about, it is the social, the social justice, justice conference. conference. If you're referring to the conference that we're doing next Saturday, it is called Christian parenting in the age of woke culture. Yes. yes. So either one, either yes, one. That there you is go. The,
2: it, all right, so uh earlier in the show we talked about our sponsor the S- Center for Biblical Unity and I'm going to give um just a little update on those of you thank you thank you thank you for stepping forward. Um, oh, I didn't know
1: we were doing this. That's okay. You okay. never know. There, uh
2: there it is. The, the just thank you for stepping forward to to support Monique some I, I, I don't know like I think you you're almost up to like 10 monthly supporters in one week. Yeah, I think I'm at 8. 8? Yes. Okay. Yes. So thank you. Those of you who have stepped up, we're so grateful. Um, if you would like to become on the ground floor of, the, of what Monique's doing here, please go to her Patreon for right now. That's kind of tidying us over until the government approves her paperwork. She has all her paperwork in to become an official nonprofit. But if you would like to just to step up and, and try to help her begin to build a foundation uh, for what she's doing at the Center for Biblical Unity. Please do that. And if you um, know podcasts, if you know influencers. Oh,
1: wait a minute. So, okay, hold so, on. Justin so- just said 13, and I was like, 13? Oh. What what's talking about? So I go on, because I'm going to go and look at at, at what's going on, because I was like, Justin, Justin, Justin. Justin is a numbers guy. Justin, keep me on track. Boy, I ain't going to even lie. You know, Justin, I'm waiting for that
2: barbecue. Yes. Okay, so I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you. Please keep going. So if you know influencers, um, if you know people with podcasts, if you know publishers, if you know people that organize conferences, if you're a pastor, if you're an elder in your church, if you are heading up a ministry, please get in contact with Monique and help us provide a better way of going about the race conversations. That's a very practical way that you can partner with us and helping us get the word out. Uh, That's what we really need right now is to create a better way. People are like, where do I go? Where do I go? Well, we're right here, Yes. but we need your help. We need you guys to help us with the connections, and they're starting to happen. Monique did some interviews this week. So if you have those connections, please help us um, get the word out. That's awesome. Okay. Such a blessing. Anything you want to add to that? I don't. I'm, Thank you. I,
1: I, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm really kind of floored. Um, this is not at all. And one day I'll, I'll, I'll have like a, A. just keep it real kind of video, but this is not at all. What, what I thought God was going to do, um, at all. I kind of had a different plan. <laughs> and so I'm really excited and I'm really thankful. Thank you so much, um, for partnering with us and with me, with standing with me and the center for biblical unity, um, God does have a plan, and His plan is definitely so much better than culture's plan. And so, yeah, we're just gonna keep doing keep, what we do keep and going. keep going. And yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be good. I can't wait to see what He does. All right. what the end looks like.
2: Okay, and now it's time for the tweet of the week. Well, there's. I think that might be my favorite one right, right now. It's so extra.
1: Really, My favorite one is the alien running across the street.
2: <laughs> no, oh, the puppet, the hand yeah, puppet. There it is. Okay. So um, we've got Neil Shenvey. No, no yes. show on race would be complete without a tweet from Neil Shenvey. Um, I thought this was the best. Me, thank you for your email about critical theory. Please select from the following options. If you're concerned about your church, press 1. If you're concerned about a parent church organization, press 2. If your pastor recommended White Fragility, please hang up and dial 911. That's a good one. (laughs) Oh, that's sort of how it feels right now, isn't it? Yes. That is how it feels. It does. It does feel like that. It does. So I want to tell you guys, we've been trying to equip you, help you, support you in this journey. But you're going to have to think ahead a little bit as to... um, You know, what's going to happen in your churches, in your sphere of influence, um, in the leaders in your life. Uh, If they try to lead you tomorrow in a prayer of lamenting for your whiteness, um, you know, maybe think ahead what you and your family are going to do about that. Mm -hmm. How Um, do you
1: have that conversation with your kids? Because I don't believe children's churches are open yet. You know, if your kid is sitting next to you in church, how do you have that? Or in your living room. Yeah. Yeah, how do you have that conversation?
2: So maybe be thinking ahead about what your stand is going to be about that, what you're going to say. Uh if you're if your boss or your leadership, church leadership says all the small group leaders have to read the be, be the bridge book or white fragility, think ahead. What what am I going to do when this happens? What what's my stand going to be? Um and, and am I going to go along with it and and try to be a voice of something different am i going to opt out um am i going to have a uh take my pastor out to coffee conversation um so be thinking equip yourself don't be reactionary be nice um be respectful but also be in a conversation with the lord about what he would have you do yeah so yeah i think that's it let's look at one more time yes. at this There were so many things we didn't uh, get to tonight, but um, very soon we're going to be doing some more conversations on systemic racism. That seems to be like the big thing that people are asking us about. And and as we said earlier, like it's still a conversation between us and we're trying not to like be public about too much Mm -hmm. of it because there needs to be room for process. There needs to be room for what the Lord's doing with each of us as individuals and together. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to ask for your patience. We don't have all these answers we're still very much in a work in
1: progress. Yeah, And even making, you know, wanting to use wisdom. Like I referenced uh, a report I was reading, a study I was reading from Harvard one or two weeks ago. And that was last week. That was last week. It feels like two weeks ago. I know it was last week. Um, And putting a link to that in our show notes and things like that. And I don't really feel comfortable with that yet. I don't want to, and I know Krista doesn't either, you know, we never want to lead someone astray. It it would be easier for me to come back and retract my comment and say, Hey, you know what? I made a mistake. To me, that's easier than to actually put something physically out there on like paper here, read this, all this information and stats. I alluded to it. I said, this is what I've read, but I haven't put it out there, and I want to make sure that I'm doing whatever we do in in wisdom. Um, and yeah, so there's that. Just wanted to make sure that that wisdom is is always used. Um, what else? Uh, make sure Monday, if you. The The event, the Facebook event is on the Center for Biblical Unity page.
2: The information uh,
1: Yeah, the information. We're for- still going
2: to have the information mm-hmm. meeting, even though the group is closed. So you can
1: know when you can sign up for the next one. What is the, the group like? Uh, yeah. you all get that. a
2: little taste of what it's like and how yeah. it works. And so yeah. if people want to come to, what do they have to do if they want to come to the information meeting?
1: Just go to the event. Um, the event itself on the Center for Biblical Unity page and either mark, you know, going. mark going or interested, and you will be sent a Zoom link for that.
2: Okay. Very good. Try not to have Zoom bombers. Okay. I yeah, th- no. I th- no
1: Zoom bombers.
2: No. <laughs> I think that's all for now, my friends. Yeah. It was a good thank show. You thank you, so you much. Edwin. much. Um, we want to thank Bob for all of his switching and everything. Thanks for joining us. Please share the show. Tell yes. a friend. And um, be safe out there. Take care. We love you. God bless.
0: Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.